Welcome back to the Popcast Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Kavya, and I'm so excited to have you all back here for episode 26 of the podcast. So this week, we have a super, super exciting topic that I have not been able to discuss yet, and a really, really good show that I'm going to be focusing on, and something that I've quickly become very passionate about that I wasn't as passionate about before. Now I'm very opinionated. I have a lot of things to say, so I don't want to waste too, too much time. So before we get into it, please go ahead and hit the follow button, turn on the notification bell. You will get notified every time I post, which is Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Also, please go ahead and check out the bio. There's a link tree, and there's just a lot of links on there. You get linked to the Instagram, the TikTok, my Twitter, which is awesome for you to just come and be able to... um, engage with me. I respond to all my DMs, so feel free to DM me about things that you might want to hear on the podcast or if you just want to chat. I've made so many friends on Twitter, so I would love to talk to you whether you have a standard account or not. Just DM me. That would be super awesome. I would love to talk to you. So that's open as well, and you can do that on the Instagram or the TikTok as well. I just find that Twitter DMs are just a lot more casual for me. Um, So feel free to use what you'd like. There's also a link to my TV time, which is the best way to find out what I'm watching in real time, kind of know what I'm watching, what I have watched, what I'm up to date with, what I want to watch. Um, I also have them split into categories. If you want TV show recommendations, there's so many things on there that I'm probably never even going to talk about on the podcast since my podcast is very much focused on what's new and upcoming, so I won't even get to talk about my all-time favorites, so check that out. It's great. Um, Then there's my letterbox as well. It's a great way to see what movies I'm watching in real time. You can see the reviews that I make, the movies that I've seen, the movies that I want to see, and kind of just the new stuff that I'm keeping up with. It's a great way to kind of know what genres I really like as well. And then, of course, my Goodreads, which is the best way to see what I'm reading in real time. And you can kind of see what books I'm reading, what books I've read, what books I want to read, um, my reviews on books. It's an awesome way to stay engaged in that way. So if you see anything on any of these platforms that you like, you can definitely let me know if you would like me to talk about them. And I will definitely put in a request. Or if you just have a recommendation based on what you see that I like, um, I would love to give that a try and try something new for the podcast. Um, I also would love to put eventually include my Spotify so you guys can kind of get a better look at my music taste um it's just very messy right now so I have to clean that up but yeah once we do that it'll be a very full set so please go ahead and check those out of course follow notification bell and there we go that's the intro tried to get that done as quick as I could let's get into this week's topic which is of course Bridgerton season two so whoo my history with Bridgerton I watched Bridgerton season one literally the day it came out, and I'm not even kidding or exaggerating. The literal day it came out, I sat my ass down on my bed with my laptop and watched it. I don't remember why. I don't remember what motivated me to do so. I had read the books beforehand, but I wasn't necessarily like this mega Bridgerton book stan where I was like, oh, I need to watch. I mean, I think I was like, I'm going to watch it, but I didn't have this major compelling urge to watch it. I was like, yeah, it would be fun if I could get to that at some point. Um, I think I was probably just in the middle of shows, like big, longer binging shows, and I kind of wanted something quick, and I like to stay um, very much on top of it. And I think Bridgerton, Faith the Wings Saga, and Ginny and Georgia kind of all came out very back-to-back, And that was very much my way of staying with what was new. And I think 
I could totally be wrong. And then Emily in Paris was right before. I cannot remember. But I just remember these things were very back-to-back. So I was like, this is a great way for me to just stay on top of what's new and have things to look forward to as more seasons are able to come out. I think that's pretty much the angle I was coming at it from. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Bridgerton. Turned it on. And oh my gosh, it was kind of exactly like how I imagined it would be in certain aspects. I very much expected the period piece. Um, I also am very, very, very familiar with Shonda Rhimes' work as I've seen most of the things that she has been a part of. Of course, I can confidently say that my favorite project of hers is Grey's Anatomy because if you didn't already know, I'm a huge, huge Grey's Anatomy fan. So I pretty much trust for the most part anything that she kind of works on because I think she's very very incredible so I did have high expectations knowing this was going to be a Shondaland um kind of thing so I was like all right it's Bridgerton it's a period piece it's Shonda Rhimes I had high expectations oh and of course it's attractive people so going into it I was like this is pretty much what I'm expecting but at the same time there were so many elements of things that I wasn't expecting number one I think one of the most standout things about Bridgerton and something that I think a lot of people can agree with is that it's definitely not historically accurate there is nothing historically accurate about Bridgerton at all and I think everybody knows that but period pieces are a very very common and popular form of media we see them all the time and it doesn't always have to be the exact same way you know we've seen very very accurate historic representations and Bridgerton definitely got its criticisms for certain aspects of how that was portrayed from another angle it was really nice to see kind of just how everybody was at this even playing field and everyone was like I can kind of insert myself now into Bridgerton even though most period pieces are typically just you know Um, Like, this kind of period piece is just white people. Because, you know, of course, we understand that is how it was at the time. Um, But now you can kind of see this, like, greater diversity. And everyone's just kind of displayed as an equal. And, of course, that isn't historically accurate. However, it's very refreshing just in a very fictional sense and just to enjoy it. Because I know that there have been so many, I think, more around when season one was coming out. Um, This whole obsession with this time period and this era was very popular and people were saying, I wish I lived in this era, I wish I lived at this time and we could go to balls and do these fancy things. Um, And and it's so easy for certain people to self-insert themselves and say, I would thrive, I would thrive, I would thrive. And, you know, people of color can't say, oh, yeah, I would thrive in this Bridgerton era. Um, not literally Bridgerton era, because Bridgerton has kind of just made it a thing where everyone is just able to thrive, and everyone is kind of this higher class, higher society, and it's so nice, and people are able to just kind of be like, okay, yes, I can see myself there, and I can see myself at one of these balls, and I think Bridgerton does such a great job of incorporating those different things and providing that representation, and another thing is when they have these interracial couples specifically in season two when with Anthony and Kate it's never seen as oh this is what it's very normal it's very much the same as if Anthony were to like white girl it was it's very beautifully presented that um they're just their romance is just so ordinary and so normal and I know with period pieces if there were to be an interracial relationship it would be a very central point and we've seen that be discussed we've seen all of that in great depth and great detail and it's so lovely to finally just be able to see just 
these normal representations of people. So that was one of my favorite aspects of Bridgerton was just the diversity and how inclusive it is and how it's so effortless. And I think Shonda Rhimes does an excellent job of putting those elements together and everybody that's on this team and with Netflix and all of this stuff. So I think that is so wonderful and that is something to really appreciate and look up to almost, I guess you could say. Another thing I really love about Bridgerton is a couple of the minor details that become such big parts of the show and such staples, one of which being, of course, the clothing. And period pieces are very common, like I said, but nobody quite dresses how they dress on Bridgerton. Some of the outfits are very ambiguous and very out there, but it's such a staple to kind of know what the vibe of each of these characters are. The Bridgerton girls all dress kind of a certain way, and then the Featherington girls all dress a certain way, and they're both so different, but it's so noticeable, and all these pieces that kind of go into their wardrobe are very carefully placed. They all represent greater metaphors, and if you're interested in figuring out what some of those are, you can look them up. There's some really good threads on them that kind of explain a lot of that symbolic representation within their clothing, and that's something I love with TV shows. Um, in movies and books and pretty much anything where the small things are purposeful. So you can tell with this show that a lot of the actions that do happen throughout the course of it are very purposeful and everything happens on purpose, which I absolutely love just kind of as a viewer. And that's something that I really, really appreciate. Another thing that I love that's a small detail is, of course, the instrumental or the, uh, yes, the instrumental versions to these classic pop songs. Most notably from season one was when they did um, Thank You Next and Wildest Dreams. Wildest Dreams especially because you know I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and I'm also a big Ariana Grande fan. So just hearing these like really pretty renditions was really nice. And I think it's so fun to kind of add an element of modernization to the show that's obviously a period piece. So that is another small detail that I know that a lot of people loved. Um, And I think that it just represents cultures and people so beautifully and so naturally. And it's a very, I guess, effortless integration of all of these different elements. And it just blends together so well. And um, that's something that I can really appreciate just as a viewer and someone who eventually does want to go into this industry. You can take a lot of notes from it. And I think it's just very, very, very well done and so inspirational. And I think Bridgerton definitely had a lot of complaints during the first season and a lot of criticisms. And one of the best parts of Bridgerton season two was that the writers and the creators and Shonda Rhimes kind of took all of those major criticisms about season one and reformatted them and turned them into something even more beautiful in season two. I think they took those criticisms and really worked with it because aside from Squid Game, Bridgerton is... Netflix's most popular show in terms of views and I mean it's Stranger Things obviously but it's also Bridgerton and I think that is so excellent because obviously they know they have this huge viewing standard and there's going to be a lot of people that are about to consume this new season and I think they just do an absolutely incredible job of all of these different things and incorporating all of these things so I love it and I think it's awesome and I think it's great Um, and I'm very very enthralled with how they put the show together and of course just all the aspects of Lady Whistledown and how that's a very effortless part of the show and it's giving very much Gossip Girl, One of Us is Lying, not really A but like all these different elements of this anonymous blogger slash newspaper writer slash whatever columnist um whatever it may be and yeah I, I really really love all the little elements that kind of go into this show. 
So let's kind of specifically talk about season two now, which for me completely outsold season one, even though I did thoroughly enjoy season one. I think season two contained less dull moments because there were a few moments during season one where I wasn't as interested and I was like, I could kind of skip this. But in season two, I found pretty much every scene and every storyline to be engaging. Aside from some of the Featherington stuff, like I just don't care as much about their family and everything with whatever Prudence and the cousin Jack or whatever it was. I was like, I literally do not care. So a couple of them were dull, but there was just definitely way less of that dead space that there was in season one where I was like, no, not feeling it. Also, I've Anthony as a Bridgerton sibling. I care about him a lot more than I care about Daphne as a Bridgerton sibling. Anthony's book um, is actually one of my favorite Bridgerton books. So if not my favorite. So I was very highly looking forward to this. I love enemies to lovers. So Anthony and Kate's relationship was just it for me. That was something I was really looking forward to. And even when it was announced that this was going to be what the next season was about, which obviously I already knew because I read the books and I know the order. Um, I was very, very pleasantly surprised with, not pleasantly surprised, sorry, very pleasantly satisfied with how everything was represented and how everything was put together. Um, so Anthony, as a character, care about him a lot more. I find his character more intriguing. I think the actor is so great with everything. I think he's a great actor. I think his line delivery is good. I think all of his subtle motions are so great. I think Simone Ashley, of course, is incredible. Absolutely love her. Um, I loved her in Sex Education, but I think obviously her character isn't as big on sex education, so kind of having her here is just, oh, it was so great. I You were really able to see her shine, and of course, I kind of want to move on to one of the big points that a lot of people were able to talk about and really resonate with was, of course, getting this South Indian representation in Western media, and I obviously live in America, and I am I have an Indian heritage. My parents are from India, of course. Um, and very little times in Western media, it's definitely getting better. Um, do you see Indian representation, much less South Indian representation, unless it's, I guess, kind of turned a little bit more into, uh, like a joke a little bit almost, you could say. Um, not really a joke, but just kind of mocked a little, like it's not, they're not taking it seriously or have really big storylines. And I know Never Have I Ever was supposed to be that, but it never really fully resonated with me, at least. Um, I was like, I don't really care for this. But I think that it was a very effortless transition because it, the character wasn't about her being Indian. She simply existed and she was Indian and everyone knew she was Indian because a lot of times with other characters of color, you it doesn't even need to be established, but they always have to, but in a lot of shows, they have to make it this point, but she very much just existed and she did Indian things and she had the very slight accent that was actually portrayed as something beautiful and not something that's just sounds silly and sounds dumb, which is the mocking accent that you know, even Indian people love to do, um, just to kind of do it. Um, so I love that representation and how it's done because even an Indian thing, you know, whatever it may be, Bollywood is the most prominent Indian media thing. And that still has a, you know, a higher presentation of a lighter skin, actors and actresses, because that's kind of still even there a beauty standard and very much what goes on and that's just what it is and that's what people consume more. So Simone Ashley, perfect casting. I thought Kate and Edwina and Mary were just, they were all so perfectly casted as a family. It was great to see. Um, I think that Anthony and Kate's chemistry was absolutely phenomenal. Um, they look so good together. They had 
oozing chemistry. And one of the big differentiators between Simon and Daphne's love story and Anthony and Kate's was that Simon and Daphne's, as good as it was, of course, and I still liked them together and thought they, you know, were compatible and made sense as a couple, Simon and Daphne were very sexually based. And that's not a bad thing, of course, but Anthony and Kate were very different. They were built up a lot more as a slow burn, and I personally do prefer slow burns. So just from that angle itself, it was so much more intriguing for me to watch and appreciate um, so I loved it. I loved everything. I loved all the little moments that kind of built up to it. I loved the angst that was established because of the fact that, of course, it was supposed to be Anthony and Edwina, and Kate was very much just Edwina's older sister, and all of those elements that go into it. So I love, love, loved the angst element. There was a lot of sexual tension. There was a lot of almost will they, won't they type things, but it's still all done and condensed within 10 episodes that that it doesn't feel like this super overly long slow burn that's just getting everyone tired. It was perfectly condensed. It was just enough time to make everything make sense and make their love story make sense. So Everything that kind of went into their relationship was definitely the standout of the season, and Kate and Anthony, I think, are just such a good couple. Um, And I know, of course, the next season is going to go ahead and focus on the next Bridgerton sibling, but I would absolutely love to kind of, and I know that it's confirmed that we will get to keep up with Anthony and Kate a lot more than we're keeping up with Daphne and Simon, so that's great to know because I would love to see where they are, and I think they definitely were my favorite couple from just the Bridgerton series, so... Just on that standing alone, um, I would just love to see more of them. And like I said, enemies to lovers, for me, is just such a golden trope. So everything about their entire buildup was so entertaining to watch. And I loved all of her kind of more sassy moments, but her sweet moments and his more sassy moments and his sweet moments and kind of that, like, bickering and turn to, like, desire. It was just so well done and I think like I said they took all those criticisms of season one and really turned it into something more beautiful for season two and just it was all represented and done so well um and of course they played Harry Styles instrumentals like we got sign of the times like that is awesome that is great that is exactly what I wanted thank you Shonda Rhimes you understood exactly what I wanted so (laughs) that's awesome for me just as me and a viewer and an obsessor I guess you could say. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I'm just so pleasantly satisfied with just kind of the entire relationship side of this show, um, or this season, and how it played out. And uh, when it comes to the other siblings, I'm excited to kind of see where it goes and the different directions that um, we're able to go from here so traditionally in the book series Benedict is the next sibling that gets to go but I think that even Shonda Rhimes said she doesn't want to go exactly by book order so I could totally see Colin going next and then it being um, Bridgerton Colin going next and then it being Benedict and then Eloise um and then I'm sure Francesca will be back and it has to go Francesca Gregory Hyacinth so I, I think that's probably the order that it'll go um, because I've made this very clear, but Anthony is definitely my favorite Bridgerton sibling, um, but I also love Eloise, and I actually love Gregory's love story, and then Hyacinth as a character, as they actually are able to grow up, and we haven't gotten the chance to explore that yet on the show, because, you know, they're still rather young, but in the books, you know, Hyacinth is actually kind of a version of Eloise, but dare I say even better, 
And I know that could probably make people upset, but if you go read the books, you'll know exactly what I mean. Hyacinth just hasn't been able to come into her own yet because she's a side character and she's younger, but oh, it's going to be awesome when we get to see her grow up and actually start to get her own storylines. It just sucks that we're going to have to wait forever for her to get her own season, but it's okay. Um, all of those things are really exciting to look forward to, and it's going to be awesome to see these kids grow up. Like, oh, that's always something that I heavily look forward to and really love to see. So the wardrobe for this season was absolutely great. I thought everything they put Kate in was so flattering. Um, and I'm talking about the girls' wardrobe because that's just what matters more. Um, but everything they put Kate in was so gorgeous. Like, oh my gosh, she looks absolutely fabulous in anything that is orange. I thought the orange with the gold accents was definitely her best. She very much looked like a Disney princess. Oh my goodness. All of the orange outfits with the gold jewelry and the gold accents were so stunning on her. The scene where she was wearing the just white with like that shawl, she looks absolutely incredible in white and the, the moonlight was shining on her in that scene and she looked great. And of course she looks good in the blues and the green, or not the green, sorry, the blues, the purples, oh, the pinks are absolutely stunning. And then of course the black um, outfit as well, with, or it wasn't a black outfit, it was just with the hood and things like that. Um, but oh, it's it, they're all just so great and... I thought they did such a good job on the wardrobe department this season. And then as for a lot of the little minor storylines we got, uh, let's quickly dive into those. I'm not really going to touch on the Featheringtons much too, um, either because I just don't care about it as much. Um, the Colin Penelope setup is difficult to kind of give my full opinion on because I do like Colin P Penelope and I love Colin just as one of the Bridgerton siblings and I'm excited for him to get his own season. It's just that Penelope to me is a very infuriating character so as nice as it's eventually going to be to kind of see their love story play out, and obviously she's going to get less annoying when it becomes a them-centric season, I find her to be quite insufferable, especially after this season and all the drama that went on between her and Eloise. It really pissed me off. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see how they go about it, but I think that, you know, them together will be something. I don't know. I, I, I did like the little bits that we got of them this season, but I really think that Penelope needs to have just a major like life check, reality check, before anything happens because she is just very infuriating sometimes, unfortunately. And I really hate to say it, but it is what it is, I guess. Like, what, what else do I even say? I'm, I find her annoying. But hopefully it gets better. Um, another subplot that we see is with Eloise and Theo, and I really loved Eloise and Theo together. I thought that it made a lot of sense. Um, it was really nice to kind of see Eloise get this little mini romance fl plot, friendship plot, whatever you want to call it. It was just really nice to kind of see her be able to explore more and kind of let her guard down a little bit and just be able to bond with someone, and I hate that Penelope ruined it. There we go, Penelope being annoying again. Um, but I know that that's not going to be explored much further unless Shonda Rhimes kind of makes a big change, but I highly doubt she would change something as big as who all the love interests for the siblings are. So I know that, that, that Theo is not Eloise's primary love interest, and I know it's going to be Sir Philip when we get to Eloise's um, season. So I'm not going to bank on it too much, but they were a very, very sweet and endearing little pair to watch, and I loved everything that they wrote in for them, and it was sweet, and it'll be nice to kind of just look back on, even though I know it's not going to go much further from this point on. 
Another plot that we got was with Benedict and everything that happened with the art school or art program. It's not an art program. It's way too early to be called an art program, but it's kind of like one of those like art schooling things and Anthony pays and all that stuff. And again, we're given not much about Benedict, but Benedict is actually a super cool sibling um, if you read the books. And this season, I definitely think that they expanded on him more. They kind of made him more funny. Um, they gave him all these little things. He had good dialogue. He had all the things with the powder that's basically like drugs and he was just getting high and it was very much he was a comedic relief this season so it was really nice to kind of see him broken down a little bit as a character because that's not something we really got from him in um season one so I really liked that and I really appreciated that just again as a viewer and I thought that that was so well done and something that I just really appreciated and I was like okay I really like this um so yeah so that was really nice I loved it and then let's see anything else I mean that's pretty much the main like little storylines I want to cover um, my friends and I actually pulled an all-nighter to watch just the entire thing um, which was a lot of fun and so I probably might have missed a couple of the little details um, just in sheer tiredness but I didn't really like sleep sleep obviously I was kind of just watching the entire time so I just might have zoned out a couple times, but I, I pretty much caught everything, I'm pretty sure. So that was really fun. It, it was just such a good time, and I'm so glad that the season kind of played out the way they did, and I think that they successfully kind of took this season, like I said, took the criticisms from the previous one and made this the best that it could be. I definitely am going to go back and rewatch this season. I just want to give it a little bit of a break, but I kind of want to go back and just live it through one more time and just really soak it all in and not binge it all at like one stretch this time, but just kind of really, really soak all of that information in and just enjoy it for what it is because I absolutely loved season two of Bridgerton and I can confidently say that it was so much better than season one, even though I did not hate season one, like at all, let's not get that twisted. Um, I just think that they did such a good job with this season. Like I said, I just found the characters more engaging, the ship more engaging. Everything about it, to me, was just better and just made the entire experience of watching it way more fun. But yeah, I'm so excited to see kind of what they do with the next season with probably Colin. Maybe it might just still go the Benedict route. Um, but either way, very excited because it's either going to be Colin Penelope or Benedict and Sophie, both of which I'm excited to see. So whatever it is, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready for another season of Bridgerton. I think season two will probably stay my favorite, like, overall, overall. Like, I, I genuinely believe it because I have a little bit of a bias just because it was my favorite book and Anthony's just my favorite Bridgerton sibling. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes from here. But I absolutely loved this season and I think that it's just so well done and Shonda Rhimes really outdid herself and I think that Bridgerton is just getting a lot more respect as a show than it did when the first season came out, which is obviously great and I think it really sets it up so well to just become even more popular as the show continues to air and all that good stuff. So that brings me right to the end of the episode. Whew, that was probably one of the most fluid episodes I've ever had where it very much went from one topic to the next to the next to the next because I just don't really run out of things to say in terms of Bridgerton. It's just one very cohesive topic to me. But anyways, I loved talking about this show and viewing it and I'm so, so glad that I watched it and watched season two all in one sitting. It was so worth it. Wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way. 
Um, but yeah, it, it was so great. And I, I really don't think I have many complaints aside from that I didn't really care about the Featheringtons plot. And that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, I loved it. I'm probably going to rewatch it again sometime very soon. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all enjoyed hearing my thoughts on season two of Bridgerton and everything that kind of went into it um, and all the topics I talked about today. Just a reminder, go ahead and hit the follow button, turn on the notification bell, and of course, check out the bio and those links. That would be awesome. And yeah, thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye! Thank mm-hmm. you.